Welcome everyone to the Pearls of Biblical Wisdom podcast ministry. The hymn you just heard played was recorded by Owen Nye and his dad. The title of it is Before the Throne of God Above. Owen is with me in this podcast today, and he's going to be sharing his testimony of how he came to know salvation from sin through the Lord Jesus Christ and came to a personal relationship with God through the salvation in Jesus Christ. For that reason, I'd like to read stanza two of this hymn to you and make a few comments before he shares his testimony. Uh, And all my comments will be related to understanding the gospel of salvation that God has provided through Jesus Christ. Uh, Let me just read this read it to you in its entirety, and then I'll read it with the comments. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, My sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me. So let's start with when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, all have sinned, and that's what produces the guilt within us, a guilty conscience within us. Nobody has to point it out to us. It's already there. By nature, we know it's there. And it says that because of our sin in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not only do we not have a relationship with God because of sin, but we've short-circuited every reason God created us as a person. When we were in our mother's womb and we first were conceived, God's purposes for our life is so that his glory could be manifested through our life, and that can be restored through Jesus Christ and his salvation. Now, the next stanza of it says, Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin." The great high priest is mentioned in the first stanza, which I didn't read. And so I want to read Hebrews 2, 17. It talks about Jesus Christ is the great high priest who made atonement for our sin, not with the blood of animals, but with his precious sinless blood, being the incarnate son of God who came into this world and never one time did he have sin in his life. Let me read Hebrews 2.17 for you about the great high priest. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be made like unto his humanity, brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. And now listen to the, the last part of this. To make reconciliation for the sins of the people. There is no reconciliation of us 
of our relationship to God being restored apart from the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the sinless Savior. He bore in his sinless body as the Holy Son of God the judgment of sin that should have been mine. That's what it says in this stanza. The sinless Savior died. That we might be delivered from the penalty of sin, which is where that guilt is that we all have, and the power of sin. Not only can we have a clear conscience of righteous standing before God, but we can be delivered from the power of sin within us as we live our life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that is Christ who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. My sinful, this is the next stanza, my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied. Sin's penalty has been justly paid by the Lamb of God who became our substitute. 1 John 4.10 says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us. When we were rebels against him, we had our fist in the air. We had no time of day for God. We just going our own way. He sent his son to die for those who were rebels and sinners. Herein is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, which means God's judgment of sin has been accomplished in a just way through his son so that we can now have peace with God and not fear the wrath of God because Jesus Christ bore that wrath in his body. 1 Peter 3.18, Christ also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ are gloriously saved from sin and are able to have a personal relationship with God. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So I'm going to put these verses in the comments of this podcast when I post it. And if anybody's listening to the testimony that Owen will share and what I just shared, and you need to go back through these verses to understand salvation, they'll be there and you can look them up in in the Word of God. Owen, it's so good to have you here and uh, to have you share your testimony today. And why don't you tell us right now a little bit about your family heritage? You wanted to share that, uh, and I think now's the time to share it. Why don't you share that and then go into your testimony? Okay, yeah. So I was born and raised in a Christian home, and I feel like that sentence alone just gets just kind of skipped over a lot in a lot of testimonies. I know it's a lot of us who've had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. It's just something that we kind of just take for granted, but we, I think it's really worth just hitting the pause button there and just really digging into how much gravity that has. Cause if you're born and raised in a Christian home, then you have so much opportunity that unfortunately so many people don't have. And it's, it allows the spirit of the Lord to just thrive in that household and work amazing things that you just really can't have without that entire family 
striving to give glory to God. And it's, that's something that I'm very blessed to have. And part of the reason why I was, am even able to do this podcast is because I've had that and I've had the encouragement of my family to bring you up in the nurture and right. admonition yes. of the Lord's life. Yeah. yeah. So my testimony, like I said, I was born and raised in a Christian home and I didn't really, I, I knew of Christ and, but I didn't know Christ. I wasn't actively in a relationship with him for a good while. I thought I was, I was, I was doing the, I was doing the right things in my head. I was, it was mostly focused on works and it was about when I was, let's see, it was a uh, 2020. So I was 16, I believe, no, 15. And I was in a mountain biking accident and I broke my neck and spine. And for a couple, probably like a couple minutes there, I was actually, I couldn't move any of my limbs. My arms kind of curled towards my chest and I entered a fetal position just involuntarily. And I was like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And I had the wind knocked out of me. I couldn't speak. And I was like, this is it. This is what the rest of my life is going to look like. I was in the hospital for a couple of days after that. And I miraculously began to improve in my condition. I think it was three days I was in there until they released me home. And I had a, a back brace and a neck brace and I healed over time. And it was, it was through that experience that I came so close to having my entire life turned upside down that it really brought about my relationship with the Lord because it was through that experience that I saw the love that everyone around me had for me and including the church body, uh, Greenville Christian Fellowship, and just seeing that unconditional love just out of care for me. And then I really, I've never felt anything like that before. It was through that I kind of just realized if this is the love that people have for me, how much more love does Christ have for me? And once I kind of realized that, it was, I couldn't fathom it. Putting that in perspective, it really, it made me realize that I was not right with God and that my relationship with Christ was not what it should have been. Since then, I've actually picked up blacksmithing. It's a hobby, but it's really a passion. Through that, the Lord has been able to do really amazing things. And uh, I'm actually going on a missions trip to uh, Guatemala at the end of this month. If I had never picked up blacksmithing, I never would have even had that opportunity. And part of the reason I even got into blacksmithing was because of my father. I saw a show called Forged in Fire, and it was like a, a blacksmithing, kind of like Master Chef, but with blacksmithing. And it was really... I really liked it and I wanted to be able to do it, but obviously I didn't have the equipment. I didn't have the materials or the knowledge of how to do any of that. But my dad saw that interest in me, that drive to want to be able to do that. So shortly after the uh, mountain biking accident, but he reached out to one of his coworkers who was a former blacksmith. And he was like, uh, hey, uh, my son is interested in blacksmithing. Is there anything we can like... He, he just kind of jumped on that. Sure enough, his coworker was like, yeah, let's have him to my house. We'll build him a forge for his birthday. So for those of you who don't know too much, a forge is a very expensive 
piece of equipment and it has to be made very uh, properly and to serve its function. So to be able to have that right off the bat was monumental in my uh, path to becoming a blacksmith. And since then, my dad's been constantly encouraging me, helping me along the way, even when I'm not doing so great or I'm just hitting roadblock after roadblock. He's, he's been there to keep me on that path. And I think that's really, really important. So you got baptized once before this happened, mm-hmm. and you thought you were saved. Mm-hmm. Can you clarify, because there are many people like that, they were baptized earlier in their life, and then they come to know Christ in a saving way that they didn't have before, even though they'd been, even been baptized. How, how did that play out in your life? What, what it is, was it that God showed you? So the first time I was baptized, it was, I think it ran as deep as the fact that I saw my cousin, or I heard I heard that my cousin in Alabama had been baptized, and I was kind of just thinking like, well, I'm a Christian, I, I'm, I'm in a Christian family, so I should probably do that too. And that's really, it wasn't a deep understanding of why I was getting baptized. I think after my experience with the mountain biking incident, and just general maturing in age, I've really seen the love of Christ for what it is. And obviously, I haven't seen all of it. I don't think mm. any of us can ever be able to mm-hmm. witness the pure love of Christ in all of its glory. But um, after that, it was, I, yeah, it just completely shifted my perspective. And I was able to much more clearly understand the actual love that Christ had for us. And for me specifically, and that, that was, I, I knew I had to be baptized knowing what that meant to be baptized, to be mm. buried with Christ mm. and then born again as mm. a new creature. Mm. The awareness of sin in your life, I think was more tangibly uh, real to you. I was thinking mm. about tragedy of the mountain bike injury, but God turned that tragedy into a triumph. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like he he purposely hit the pause button right. in your life, and you had to examine more seriously and earnestly. I mean, the fact that you're sitting here today and not in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and you know uh, the miracle that God did through prayers of God's people, and all that He showed you about spiritual realities. Mm-hmm. And it, there may be uh, those listening that have tragedies take place in their life, which we all do. We have these. Uh, tribulations that come our way in life, but God can take any tragedy and turn it into triumph, and it may even lead to true conversion in your life of knowing Christ in a personal way. And there's a brokenness that comes before God, mm. you know, which I think happened to you, Owen, and your awareness of, of sinfulness and the desperate need mm-hmm. to truly get your heart right with God. You want to say any more about that? emphasis on the brokenness for sure because I was physically broken right but I was very much emotionally and spiritually broken as well yes because it really the whole experience really just brought brought me before the throne of God above amen (laughs) and amen I was like I need to start I need to make some changes in my life and I need to devote myself to Christ Mm. because it's because of him that I'm walking on my two feet today mm. and not it's just sitting in a wheelchair mm. or 
sitting at home on a recliner, just mm. unable to do mm. anything that I can do today. Mm. Oh, we thank God for his mercy. Yes. In mercy, it's, it's, uh, his blessing when it comes from heaven above, it's not because we deserve it any time. Mm. It's always his mercy to us. Right. So we're going to move on uh, transition now to our next point here about blacksmithing a little more. Mm-hmm. You've already mentioned it. And uh, one of the things I wanted to mention is how this podcast came about. Owen came up to me, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago in a Sunday morning service. And he was telling me uh, he had been listening to some of the podcast recordings that I've, I've put out there. And the more he talked about home and family and his understanding of life, his relationship with his dad, and uh, the burden of this podcast of when I first started this, my spirit bore witness with what he was testifying to was happening in his family, happening in his life. And that's why I felt right there and then it was the Lord's will for us to have this podcast uh, recording together. And after we talk a little bit about the, the blacksmithing concept of God's purpose for our life and God's calling upon our life, I mean, we're talking about a mission trip in your life, and we're talking about what that might lead to further, but it's all come about through the blacksmithing. But after we finish that section, we want to talk about your relationship with your dad, mm-hmm. which is really the heart of what you shared with me that Sunday morning. What are some of the things that has helped you in life in your relationship with your dad that God worked through? So I'm really looking forward to that. So as to the blacksmithing, you made a comment And it really hit home with me that you're trying to teach these skills of blacksmithing to others for their success. Mm. uh, I want to make some comments about uh, the greatness and the importance and the significance of God's purpose for any person's life. What allows us to accomplish, what allows God to accomplish great things in our life is understanding we're here to serve Mm. others, not self-interest, self-gain, self-glory, not the kingdom of self. It's all about, uh, like the apostles were, uh, they were actually arguing one day, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And the Lord Jesus said, if you're going to be great in the kingdom of God, you've got to be the servant Mm. of every person you meet. And that's how you understand God's purpose for your life. That's where true joy is in life. I learned years ago, there's two types of people in the world. There's the givers and the takers. And all of us kind of go back and forth between those two. Unless we're walking in the Spirit, we're going to be a taker. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to be a giver. And if we're a taker from others. We're expecting others to do for us only what God can do for us, and we're going to be disillusioned with life, and we're not going to have the joy of life. But if we understand like you have with the blacksmithing, you're using that skill to serve and minister to others to make them successful. A person that truly has a servant spirit gets more joy out of others' success than their success, and that's what causes a man to be able to, God to work through a man and his life can have great things accomplished. 
when our accomplishment is for the gain of others. Mm. The Lord Jesus Christ said, He Himself is in my Mark ten forty five. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister to others. And when you have the Holy Spirit and you get saved, like Owens described, he got saved and he was born again of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of him. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit's inside of you, it, we're not to be a reservoir collecting the blessings of the Holy Spirit within us. If that's the end of it, we don't understand God's purpose for our life. Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water to others. Hmm. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you want to share with others how they can have this joy. They can have this peace. They can understand this love of God. They can understand the greatness of who God is. You don't want them to be in the ditches of what sin does to a person's life. You want them to get up out of the mire clay and understand God's purpose for their life. So I was just filled with joy when he told me he wants to use this blacksmithing skill for success of others. And also when he talked about missions and now this missions trip, when you develop a skill, God's going to work supernaturally through that skill to advance the kingdom of God in some way. For instance, David, he developed a skill with a slingshot. And it seemed like a very simple type setup there. But the, when he came to the battlefield, all the soldiers in Israel were afraid to go up against Goliath. But he had the boldness. He had the courage to go up against Goliath. And he didn't go up against Goliath and say, you come to me with a sword and a shield. I come to you with my slingshot. Although God used the slingshot to bring the giant down, David said to the giant, I come to you in the name of my God. Because he knew that the skills he was developing was to the glory of God, to the advancement of others' gain, and serving in others and glorifying God with your life. And so that giant came down. Now David had another skill, a musical skill, and when he developed that skill of playing the harp, God used that skill when Saul was having evil spirits. Saul got released from the torment of the evil spirits when David played that harp. So I just want to encourage, Owen, oh, you're 18, right? Yes, sir. When, when I got saved, I was 18. And one of the things I began to understand, like I got into electricity, that was the skill that God led in my life. And the skills are different, you know, for each person. But because I understood this principle I'm talking about, use that skill to serve others. When I came to pastor here in Greenville, I did electrical work for three years here in Greenville. And when I became the senior pastor, I had been reaching out to the construction guys with the gospel and salvation message we're talking about here today. And I didn't want to lose contact with them. And we started what we call a construction worker luncheon that started in 1999 and is still going today in 2023. All because I was not just using the skill for paying my bills and meeting the needs of my family's uh, temporal needs. I used that skill with one goal in mind, that others might be saved. Others might find the joy 
of what it, how, how it works when you serve others for their gain and meet their needs so that their, that their needs can be met through God. So you want to say anything further about that, Owen? Yeah, actually, that last point that you made, um, being able to use your skills to serve, that was one thing when I really started to understand blacksmithing and how to move metal properly and hmm. all that. It was, how can I use this to further the kingdom of heaven? And it was just, it was something that I've been kind of mulling about for a couple of weeks, and it was just, I wasn't really getting anywhere with it. And I went to a, uh, it was a blacksmithing they call it a hammer in. It's basically a bunch of uh, blacksmiths and bladesmiths. They get together and they show off their work, have their little booths where they sell some of their knives and just kind of just hang out. And it's just a fellowship of blacksmiths. And there is this one group there. They're actually hosting the event and they're called Redeemed Steel. And I got to talk to one of the, uh, I, th- I believe it was the son of the, the guy who owned the whole thing. And he said, he was like talking about that they're going on a, a missions trip to Guatemala with a group of blacksmiths and they're going to build a village, teach blacksmithing to some of the locals so they can use that as a skill because it's, it's a very important skill in places like that where they don't have a, a hardware store where they can just go get stuff if they need it. They need to be able to make it. Yeah, he was just, I was like, I was really interested by what he was talking about. And then to my surprise at the end, he was just like, you want to join us? And I'm like... Yeah, like, it wasn't even a thought. It was just, mm. I just felt like I had to say yes. And it was a, it was exactly what the Lord wanted to show me. It was, I was asking myself that question so much. How can I make this into something that can benefit God's glory? And he just put it right in my lap. I didn't even have to do any work for it. But mm. if I wasn't there, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have been able to have that opportunity. And I think it's just really interesting how the Lord just uses Mm. his divine intervention to put us in the path that he wants. Mm. Amen. Greatness, talking about purpose in life and greatness as far as significance Mm. as an individual, you know, when your time comes to die, you know, have I accomplished blessings for others? Has it just been about temporal earthly Mm. things when, you know, my time comes to to slip into eternity. And Jesus, when he was talking to those apostles that day, he, he talked about you got, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God and eternal fruitfulness, mm-hmm. he said you got to be the servant of all. Now here's the thing. Here's the conflict that we constantly face in life. From the world's perspective, what makes a man important is how many people serve him. See, this is why we have to cast down these imaginations in our mind that's not according to the Word of God. Otherwise, we're going to end up with our life going downhill with the wrong direction as far as what we're seeking in life. Mm -hmm. It's not how many people serves you that makes a man important or significant. The significance of a man and the importance of a man and God's purpose for a man is centered in how many people do you serve? Mm. That's where the true joy of life is and the blessedness of life is. And that's where the calling of God is, uh, this calling to blacksmithing or calling to a missionary trip. Uh, you know, we usually focus on vocation and location. What does God want me to do and where does God want me to do it? But we usually think of that in terms of temporal things, mm. you know, money, houses, land, and so forth. 
But we need to focus on relation. Relation. My relation to God and me helping others come to a relationship with God, which I know, Owen, you got a burden for as far as your generation we're going to mm-hmm. talk about. Anything you want to say about that right now as far as your generation? As I've matured and after, especially after I've been uh, saved, it's really just stuck out to me how hopeless, I guess you would say, my generation is. And a lot of kids just, they don't have a direction. They don't know where they want to go. So they just turn to the easy and quick little hits of pleasure they can get. And it, it, it just destroys them. And it was, mm. it made me, it made me sick to my stomach just to see mm. just all of this hopelessness that's just going around. And it's, I, I felt like I had to do something about it, but there's really not much I can do. It's just what Christ can do mm. and how we can be used as tools for Christ. Mm. So here's the thing that, why this podcast came to be. You're, uh, one of the things you observed as far as what was happening in your generation is the breakdown in the home, hmm. the breakdown in the family, the breakdown in marriage and so forth. And your environment has been different from that, and you have seen the supernatural works of God and, and, and your experience of your family background has been patterned after the Word of God, but that's not always the case for most people. Mm-hmm. So you've got a, a burden of love for your generation to understand spiritual realities. And a lot of it has to do with the, the father-son mm-hmm. or father-daughter relationship. Because the Bible says God can keep the curse from coming upon the land when a father's heart is turned to his sons and daughters and the sons and daughters heart are turned to their father mm-hmm. now if you're in a home situation where you don't even have a father or you may have a father but he's kind of like an absentee father not functioning the way a father should you can always turn to god through mm-hmm. jesus christ and he is your heavenly father perfect heavenly father so there's hope for every person in this world and you can learn how to, in your family, uh, when you get married, your family can, you can turn things around to go in a different mm-hmm. direction than maybe what your situation has been. So, Owen, oh, I want to talk about your relationship with your dad. Yeah. Why don't you start sharing? You know, as you share, I may make some comments about what you're sharing about your dad. Go ahead. Right. So, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, my dad, he's extremely invested in me and he wants to see not just me all of my siblings as well he wants to see us grow into a godly man or a, a godly woman mm-hmm. and his actions are definitely a testament to that he's constantly encouraging us this is the important part he doesn't just encourage us when we do something that's wrong and he doesn't be like hey well that's okay He does do that, and he's very good at that, but he also encourages us when we do something right. And it's that affirmation that really just keeps us, it it lets us know that we're on the right track. Because if, like, let's say I make a knife, and I'm not happy with it, but it's something that I made, and my dad recognizes that, and he points out the things that are not necessarily the best, but he's like, hey, I really like how you put this little twist in the handle there. I really, that's really, how'd you get, how'd you do that? And it's like, 
it just encourages me to uh, try better at that aspect next time. And it's, it, it's just, it sets me up for a constant, a path of constant Im- improval. And I think that's just something that I don't, I haven't really seen in a lot of um, uh, children and youth. My generation is just, they don't have that affirmation when they do something right. There's no one there to give them a pat on the back and say, Hey, that was really good. They just kind of, they do something right. And then no one's there to like encourage them. And then they do something wrong and everyone's suddenly just Mm. pounding on them and Mm. just making them feel like the worst person in the world. Mm. And I really think that's where a lot of children Mm. and Mm. youth struggle in today's generation. Yeah. You know, the Bible says the glory of children, it's in Proverbs, Proverbs 17, verse six. The glory of children is their father. Mm. Now, the meaning of that is they do need daddy's praise. Mm -hmm. They do need daddy to say, like God the Father, God the Heavenly Father, spoke to his son on earth twice. And what did he say to his son? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Mm. We, we have the illustration of God the Father from heaven speaking to his son. But I think more, uh, God wants us to know that children are desperate for what you just talked about, affirmation, and especially God's put it in the heart of every child to please their dad. Mm. And dad needs to make sure he gives praise, gives affirmation. You know, it says one place in the Bible Somebody in authority has a responsibility to punish those who do evil. Well, we usually do pretty good with that part. My child needs to have a spanking or he's got to suffer something here because he did something wrong. Dads kind of understand that part. But the same verse says uh, a, a person in authority has a responsibility not only to punish those who do evil, but to praise those who do well. And I'm telling you, it's a desperate need. Uh, yeah, I'd like to add to that um, with the punishment aspect. That's that's something that is also a very important thing for fathers is not sparing the rod of discipline. The Bible is pretty clear about that. And whenever my dad, whenever I was young, he, he doesn't spank me anymore. <laughs> but whenever I was young and I broke something because I was angry and my dad would punish me, he would make it very clear to me that he was doing it out of love. And when I was little, I was just like, Mm -hmm. it was just, he would say the same thing every single time. And it was just part of the, part of the discipline. But as I matured and I remembered that it resonated with me that everything that he did was out of love. Because Mm -hmm. if I continued behaving like that throughout all my life, it would it would ruin me. It would ruin other people. It would just, it was very, very good that he beat it out of me, I guess. Didn't beat me, but like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it is, it's, that's something that a lot of people are, or a lot of fathers are afraid of today is actually, um, not sparing the rod of discipline. They, they just, they don't, it's easy to see why it may make a child not like you and they may not like you, for the time being, but as they mature and they gain wisdom and understand why they were punished, 
that gives them a better understanding of the importance of why they were punished. And that's, mm. it, that's definitely where I grew and gained a lot of wisdom. Amen. You talked about sometimes when you had failure, sometimes it's not always a uh, rebellious issue that needs to be properly disciplined. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just failure. And the way your dad approached that, and I'll let you comment to that, but um, I want to mention some scriptural background to it. Uh, Paul wrote Philippians, and Paul had a lot of ministry with a lot of people. And anytime you have ministry, we've been talking about it here. Our whole purpose in life is to serve others. Well, anytime you're serving others and have ministry to others, there's going to be some conflicts that Mm -hmm. come. There's going to be some things that come your way where the per- people you're trying to serve don't understand spiritual realities or they maybe still have self on the throne of their life instead of Jesus Christ on the throne of their life. And Paul had some of the churches he ministered to, they were problem churches. Mm-hmm. And uh, he could have said, you know, when I write to you, here's what he said in Philippians. Let me tell you what he did say. He says, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. Hmm. So in that particular church, they were assisting him in serving others and the gospel ministry. Mm -hmm. But other churches, the Corinthian church, when he wrote to the Corinthians, he had to correct one problem after another right and my point is when he spoke to the corinthians he said the same thing i have you in my heart Mm -hmm. he didn't say i have you on my nerves right (laughs) he didn't say you irritate me you frustrate me how come you guys don't get this yet he didn't put them down he Mm -hmm. lovingly brought truth to where they were and that's what your dad did with you when you were telling me about it tell us a little bit about that yeah Whenever I failed, Mm. my dad was very, he is very good at just encouraging and being like, I know you messed up. And I'm like, most of the time I'll have to come to him and it's like, hey, I messed up and I didn't, I haven't wanted to tell you because I feel like you're just going to be like mad at me and I don't want that. Like, I love you. I don't, I don't want that. Mm. But every single time it surprises me how he's just, he's not mad at me. He can be disappointed and ashamed that I've done these things, but he's never angry towards me. And if anything, he's just saddened that I've had to experience the guilt and the pain that came with mm. my decisions. Mm. And he lovingly helps me along getting back onto the right track. He's like, well, this is Mm. obviously an issue. Mm. How can we address that? How can I help you overcome this issue? Mm. And that's something that is just extraordinary. Extraordinary. Mm. Because Mm. it's, it's not, it's not discipline. Mm -hmm. And it would be right for there to be discipline there. But when the pain is already there, when I recognize that what I've done is wrong, Mm. there's a sense of hope that I can always have with my dad that he will help me get out of it. And much like the Lord will help, uh, help me get out of it as well. 
it's 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 an opportunity that I feel a lot of children, a lot of the youth don't have with mm. their fathers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge, huge thing. Cause it's, I mean, my dad, he leads by example mm. and his example mm. was his father mm. and his father led by example of the Lord. Mm. And it's, if, we just it's been my family lineage and heritage it's just been continuing down from Mm. leading by example man and learning from mistakes and building on the the positives and it's just it's constantly growing and i hope to continue that with my children someday if Mm. the lord wills for me to have children i'd Mm -hmm. i'd like to amen Amen. but it's uh yeah yeah you know, it's interesting, the Lord, when he was training his apostles, discipling his apostles, as a father would you know, work mm. with his children to grow them up spiritually, mm-hmm. uh, the Lord didn't, did not say, sit down and let me teach you. Right. He did sit, they did sit down many times and heard him teach, but the thrust of his imparting to them what they needed was not just sitting in a classroom of learning, mm-hmm. you know, but he said, follow me, walk with me, mm-hmm. watch me, and by the example of my life, you'll learn the things you need to learn about life and about truth. And, uh, and many times the apostles failed. Mm. Think about the apostles, you would think they were a sanctified, a higher group, but well, they right. were definitely, but they also had failure. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord Jesus, many times, he would take them aside. He said, well, what was that that you were talking about when you were walking along the road? He knew they had a carna- carnality mm-hmm. problem, but he walked, walked them through it. Yeah. And uh, when, they, you know, when they were arguing about uh, greatness on one occasion, who's going to be great? He took a little child, and he set a child in the midst and said, look at this child, and you'll understand what greatness is is all about. Mm-hmm. So he taught them not only by teaching, he taught them by, as a way of living. And that's, that's, you know, it talks about in uh, Deuteronomy, teach these things to your children, lie down when they wake up, when they walk by the way. It's not like you just have a devotional time. That's critically important yeah. to have a devotional time in the Word, but as a way of life. Mm-hmm. You know, bring the Scripture to bear when there's some situation going on in a family life. You got any comments on that? Yeah, I would say that actually carries on. I mean, like, my life is really busy. I have a full-time job. I have I have a hobby that takes up a lot of my time. And I, I don't have as much time that I used to uh, with my family and parents. And uh, it's just there's not that much time anymore. I wake up early and I leave for the day. And it's... It was during those times that I did when I was homeschooled and I had all that time spent at home. Hmm. It was very, very important that I received, uh, I had a devotion every single night Hmm. with my father Hmm. and my brothers. Hmm. And it was extremely like, Hmm. at the time I wasn't saved Hmm. and it was, um, it was very monumental because I had all that information and now it's just a library that I can use at my disposal now that I'm mature and I understand the concepts that I was, uh, we had devotionals about. Mm. 
And that's, it's something that I think a lot of fathers and parents need to focus on is, uh, training up their child when they're young. Mm. Cause I mean, the Bible is very clear, mm. train up a child when they're young and mm. when they're old, they will not yeah, depart from it. Very true. And that's definitely something that I can see in my father trying to make, trying to put that into action. Lord Jesus, on one occasion, he said, come unto me, all you that are weary mm. and heavy laden and learn of me. Mm-hmm. And he's not talking about, I'm going to teach you a, a lesson. He talked about the character qualities mm. that are necessary for you to be unburdened mm-hmm. in life. And I think this is very important for a father to focus on is what are the character qualities? Because our whole purpose in life is to be like Christ and to make Christ known. Right. So the more we can develop the character of Christ, the more we'll be able to live life the way God wants us to live it. And Jesus said, when he said, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden and learn of me, he, he identified two character qualities. Mm-hmm. For I am meek and lowly mm. of heart. And if fathers could just develop those two qualities in their life and the sons and daughters could develop just those two qualities in life, Mm -hmm. that would go a long ways as far as the sons and daughters getting what they need in their training to know God. Right. So in my life as a father, I emphasize character qualities a lot because whenever you take a situation that you're facing that's hard and difficult, some trial or tribulation, you can ask yourself, what character qualities? Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a failure here. Right. What what character qualities? And that's kind of how your dad, you know, dealt with you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it's usually more than one character quality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we dads are still a work in progress, too. Right. It's not like we're perfect in character. Mm-hmm. We're co-learners. Co-learners with our ch- children, you know, yeah. that we're teaching. And that's the way your dad approached it. Um, and the humility, lowliness, that's what Jesus said, come unto me and you'll find rest for your soul for I am meek and lowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, uh, one thing else that my dad did, uh, does very well is he, he sees and recognizes that he doesn't have all the answers, but our heavenly father does. Mm. And as long as he, he, he. He sees himself as a tool to be used by God mm-hmm. to be the father or to to act out what the father wills. And that's, it's, he can't be perfect because mm. he's human, because he has the flesh. He will make mistakes. But when he makes those mistakes, he turns to his heavenly father to seek wisdom and guidance through those mistakes. And to turn them into a learning opportunity for us. I can't count how many times mm. he's made a mistake, mm. and I might I might not even realize it. Mm. But he'll 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 sit us all down, and he's like, "I need to tell you about a mistake I've made." Mm. And in the Bible, it's very clear about this. Mm. So I apologize mm. that I made this mistake, and. Mm moving forward, I'm going to focus on this. Mm. And if you could help me focus on this too. And he, he turns it into, he gets the whole family involved. Mm. And when we're all involved on the same issues, Mm. 
the Lord uses that and it's just, it exponentially multiplies mm. the amount of heart and soul going into making that solution. Yeah, that's good. That's wonderful. Uh, the dad admitting I've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like I'm a perfect dad. You know, that's that meekness. You know, it, it even talks about in uh, Galatians, it says, if you see a person overtaken in a fault, whether it's a son or a daughter or anybody else, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest temptation overcome you, because you have the same, whatever problem one person has with temptation, everybody has with temptation. Mm. There is no temptation taking any son that's not common to the father, or there's no temptation taken to the father that's not common to the son, it says that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common. So when your dad humbled yourself like that and admitted his need for prayer, his need for let's all work together so we can conquer this situation in right. all of our lives, you know, that was a lot of wisdom in that uh, that God gave him and is giving him. Anything else you want to say about your dad? Um, Yeah, just that in the sense that, I mean, I'm not going to be in his house forever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move out and I'm going to start. I'm in that transition process where I'm just going to start slowly moving out of the household more and more mentally and physically. And it's, it's uh, he's set an example of the kind of man that I need to be around by mm-hmm. being a good father. Mm-hmm. And because of that example, I, I can make good friends and I can see, okay, this is a godly man who I can learn from and who can learn from me. And we can have a brotherly connection that will benefit both of us for the greater of God's glory. Mm-hmm. And it's because of my father's example that I've been able to see that in people at school, people at work Mm -hmm. and be able to build these relationships Mm -hmm. because I know what qualities to look for. And I've, I made some incredible Mm. friends who have been super impactful Mm. on my walk with Christ because of that. Mm. And it continues past. I mean, if my father were to pass away today, Mm. I would still have his example Mm. living on throughout me. And yeah. I would still be able to learn from that mm. years, years Amen. down the road until my time yeah. has come Praise to God. join him in heaven. And I think that's 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 something that fathers should be aware of, is that mm-hmm. their example definitely carries on further than they think. Amen. I'm with you on that. This whole matter of peer pressure and companions and friendship is a uh, it's a critical issue to understand, especially when you talk about your generation understanding truth, mm-hmm. and or my generation, any generation. I mean, when I got saved, I had to. Uh, I wanted my friends. I had friends when I got saved, and I wanted them to walk alongside of me uh, in this joy of truth I had discovered, and mm-hmm. the purpose in life I had discovered, and the uh, real reality of life, not this uh, cloud of pleasure that seems to be, you know, what you need. It, it No, it was a deep internal in my soul and my spirit. I had a relationship with God, and it changed my life to walk a different pathway. Mm. And I wanted them to walk with me. I didn't, I wasn't trying to break up my friendship with them. Right. But they 
didn't want to walk that pathway. Mm-hmm. And because I was walking a different pathway, the division uh, took place. But my heart continued to go out to them because I know what it took for God to save me. Mm. I know what it took for God to show me my blindness, my foolishness, mm. and all the deception I had bought into and all the worldly philosophies I had bought into. And, you know, only God can convict you of sin properly right. to bring you out of that. And so uh, I developed new companions that were walking in the pathway of what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. And that's very important because, you know, companions, in First Corinthians 15, it says evil companions corrupts good morals. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have... Now it, I mean, we're going to have intersection with all kinds of people in life. We're not talking about the normal, everyday intersection. We're talking about people you spend most of your time mm-hmm. with. You v- develop a close relationship with. Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. In the New Testament, it says, those that have a pure, are seeking to have a pure heart before God, it says, call upon God out of a pure heart and find you some companions that have six qualities. There's six qualities listed there. You know, they're all striving for those six qualities together out of a pure heart. And that's what helps you to keep your heart pure. Yeah. Because you've got those friends that are not buying into the sin deceptions right. of the world. You got anything to say about that? Yeah, I think it's also important to not just have uh, like one or two friends, but a group of those mm. good godly friends and... If there is someone in your life that you have a burden for, mm. you it, it's important not to just go to them one-on-one because then they could actually have a negative effect on you mm. through that uh, one-on-one relationship. Mm. But to have them see the examples of you in that group. Mm. And because when you have, uh, let's see, I, I have it written down here. I was doing a study on this the other day. That's good. Ecclesiastes 5, 9 through 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If one of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Mm. So Mm. companionship is very important in the sense that you have, if you're trying to minister to someone, you need companions who are also godly Mm. to lift you up when you struggle. Yes. Because yes. it's very easy to fall yes. if you're surrounded by people who are mm-hmm. also falling. Yeah. And that's really what the local church is all about. You know, going mm-hmm. to church and hearing a sermon is certainly a major part of church. Right. But developing fellowship with other believers and getting into those small group uh, right. interactions with other believers is critically important to a spiritual person's health. Mm-hmm. There's there's about 16 to 21 another ministries in the New Testament. And if you get into a small group with, with others, a group of men, for instance, those one another ministries can take place. And then you have something to invite others to, mm-hmm. and they can taste. Yeah, They can taste of what it's like with a different type of approach, different type of understanding. And instead of uh, being overcome with the evil of the other group that's not walking with mm-hmm. God, evil can be overcome in their life because they see what's happening in the good group. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And that's definitely 
I see that in the construction workers luncheon that you started. Mm. And if the Lord wills it, I'd like to start something similar with that mm. in the blacksmithing mm. world. Cause it's, mm. I mean, blacksmithing is really fun. It's really mm. interesting. You get to make something tangible mm. and it's, it's really, it's just, it's interesting. Like it's not done mm. a lot anymore. Mm -hmm. And to be able to invite someone out to my shop to forge mm. a knife and then maybe even use some of the, the examples of mm. forging a knife and mm. use yeah. it as analogies. Spiritual for, analogy. Yeah. yeah amen. I mean, it's, it's, it's powerful stuff. It is. You know what you're talking about. It it's, is. Absolutely. I really, I hope to be able to see how that's done in this mission strip to Guatemala because that's exactly what they'll be doing mm -hmm. is using blacksmithing as a spiritual analogy for the gospel. Mm. And I want to take that home with me mm. and show that to some of my friends who need to know the gospel. Okay. So let's bring this to a, a close here, Owen. Uh, mm -hmm. If you had to wrap up your burden for your generation uh, of those growing up, say 18, your age and, and up, uh, what would your counsel be or what would your biblical advice be? What is your thoughts on how you, uh, your generation can best come to the truth? We need to be, well, okay, prayer. Prayer, mm. communication with our Father in heaven. Mm. Praying that they find Christ and that Christ touches their hearts mm. and brings them to him. And then teaching them to pray. Because mm. so many, so mm. many in our generation don't mm. know mm. how to even pray mm. and talk to God. That's true. They think there's some sort of ritual to it or right. that they have to say the certain words. And, true. But they need to know how to pray. And I think one of the most uh, substantial things that I've ever blacksmithed is this little, mm. this little cuff bracelet here mm -hmm. that I've forged. Mm -hmm. And it just says pray. And it's a solid reminder. Mm. Cause I feel this, this gets annoying <laughs> and every time, every single time yeah. I feel it, it reminds me to pray because wow. constant communication with the Lord is what we need Amen. to focus on. Mm. That's so good. When I first got saved, Tom Tarvin discipled me. He spent time with me to teach me how to grow in my faith and relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And he was teaching me about prayer and I began to pray and God supernaturally answered some prayers for mm -hmm. me in those days that can never be taken away from me. Mm -hmm. If a scorner came up to me and somebody that's anti-Christ, anti-Bible, anti-God, it wouldn't, it couldn't steal my relationship with God away in any way because I know in those early days and since then, the power of answered prayers in my life where I know I've, I know that I know that I know I've got a personal relationship with God that I can talk to and bring my needs to and find his answers in his word and him talk back to me. That's, that's so critically important mm -hmm. for young, young, the younger generation to see answers to prayer. Mm answers to prayer because then you know it's not just my father's god right it's my god that's right my god yeah what else do you want to say before we pray um not much not much else just if anyone's listening to this before october 28th just to be in prayer for mm. well and after that i guess because the mm. lord works beyond time <laughs> yeah yeah um 
just be in prayer for the mission trip to Guatemala because it's not going to be easy for mm-hmm. sure. But pray that the Lord works miraculous things there. How long will you be there? Uh, a week. A week. Okay. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you have done, what you are doing in Owen's life, Owen's family. Thank you, Father, that everything we see in the Bible about home and family and marriage is true. And really, when we see all the corruption in the world, we know that so much of it goes back to the right things going on in the home and in the family and in marriage. And I pray that somehow through this particular podcast recording, that understanding, spiritual understanding, spiritual wisdom would be imparted to anybody that's listening, that they can find hope in your word, hope in Jesus Christ. And if they're just meandering through this lostness of this world, they can come up out of the miry clay of all the darkness of the world and come to salvation, true, true salvation in Jesus Christ and have a personal relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And we do pray for this missions trip and all that you want to do in Guatemala. We pray, Father, that you would fill each of the team members going with the Holy Spirit. May you bless every minute, every moment of everything, every activity that takes place, whether it's the the travels or whether it's the team having unity together, whether it's uh, teaching the skills they'll be teaching. I pray, Father, that you do some supernatural wonders and there would be spiritual, eternal fruit come from this uh, Guatemalan mission, short-term missions trip. And Lord, thank you for bringing Owen and I together today. Thank you that he came up to me that Sunday. So encouraging to see a young man. I had to find my way out of a lot of that stuff I got into. Thank you, Father. Owen's didn't, he's not having to dig his way out of a lot of the stuff I got into. Thank you for his family and all the heritage, the spiritual heritage of what you are accomplishing. And I pray it might be multiplied so the youth, the, the next generation of this world can come out of darkness into your son's light and they can enter into the fullness of your purpose for their life and not be empty in their soul and be involved in vanity that has no spiritual eternal purpose to it. Lord, I pray they'd truly be able to come to life in Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Amen.